We've all lost stuff in the ocean. Sunglasses, earrings, the heart of the ocean necklace. If you go to the beach or ride on a boat, anything you have might disappear forever, including your body. In large enough supply, water becomes dangerous and uncontrollable, and anytime we go near it, we do accept a level of risk. On a low level, losing sunglasses or priceless jewelry was still from the Titanic. On a high level, death by drowning. Today we've got 10 tales of mysterious water deaths. Seemingly, these people fell victim to the perils of the deep, but not all the facts line up. In a lot of cases, it might be more likely someone used the ocean to cover up a cold-blooded murder. you weirdos. Welcome to the ParCast Original Crime Countdown. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the ParCast Research Gods. This episode we're counting down the top 10 mysterious water deaths. I hate this because as you know, I hate water. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely hate water. I think anybody that knows you knows that about you. Yeah, I make it pretty known. (laughs) I I had a really bad experience when I was in swim lessons as a kid, and it completely scarred me for life. I'll hang out in a pool, but you're definitely not going to catch me in a lake or an ocean. I do not like dark, you know, like dark, deep water. Yeah, when you can't see the bottom. hate that. But I'm the opposite of you. I have always been a fish. I will go into like any body of water and it's on my bucket list to go like cage diving with sharks. I want to do that so bad. I wish I could do that, but I can't. I feel like I must have like a water sign somewhere in my chart, my zodiac chart. Oh, yeah. Because you literally are a fish. Yeah. And fear of water is considered linked to um, the fear of the unknown. And I definitely have that, especially as a Capricorn. The unknown is extremely inconvenient to me. Yeah, you are a straight up planner. (laughs) I don't like the unknown. And you're not planning a vacation in the water. Mm -mm. (laughs) Well, as always with this countdown, Elena will have five water-related topics, and so will I. But neither of us will know who will be rolling in the deep. Ist of waters. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start the countdown. Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA. Used under license by FCA US LLC. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush, which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show.
I'll start us off with number 10 and the disappearance of Dutch conceptual artist and photographer Boz Jan Adder. In 1975, as part of an art project, he set out in a sailboat from the East Coast, heading towards Europe. His boat was found in the ocean later. He was not. The themes of his art and the timing of his disappearance provide a lot to consider. Was this extreme performance art, or was it just an accident? He was setting off from Chatham, Massachusetts, actually, Ooh, which I was like, yep, a hometown Massachusetts. Homie. We love that. And he was en route to Falmouth, England. And then he was going to be going off to the Netherlands for an exhibition of his work. You know, just a little tour. Just that little tour around the world. There's actually a photo of him as he left the dock on this expedition. Oh, cool. And I think his wife took it. But Bosjan Adder was an experienced sailor. And the sport had been integral in his youth. So he had done it his whole life. Okay. So this isn't one of those things that like he jumped on a boat and you were like, why'd you do that? He Bob just like, came up with a new yeah. hobby one day. He was like, no, been doing this my I'm whole gonna take life. up sailing. Yeah. And he was going to be using this particular journey as part of a larger work that he was going to call In Search of the Miraculous. I love that. Yeah. So deep. And it was going to make his boat the smallest to ever cross the Atlantic, but it didn't happen. I would never want my boat to be the smallest to go across a body of water. Yeah. I don't need that distinction. I don't need it. But like, go I'd off, like it to be the down. largest, actually. Yeah. I just don't want to across the Atlantic. I'm good. <laughs> he was actually one of the few artists who explored extreme modes of performance and whose art was permeated by loss and disappearance, which is interesting. Yeah. He was a spooky guy. And then something spooky happened to him? A spooky guy with some spooky art. Ooh, His cute. art often centered around water-based themes and had the emotional intensity of tragedy. So it's almost like he like painted this into the stars. Yeah, it seems like it was all kind of just like one entity here. He merged art and death in chilling ways, and his final piece of art is where he disappeared. Ooh. He was only 33 when he disappeared. He was a year younger than I was. That's wild. The same age as his father when he was executed by the Nazis for being active in the resistance. Ooh. That's even spooky. I was going to say, that's another spooky factor. Yeah, too many things are lining up. His brother believes that he was pulled off board when the spot his lifeline was tied to broke off, but it still remains unsolved. That's weird. It seems like there's some kind of like family curse. Yeah, we don't know. And huh. they never found him. We don't know. That's so weird. Mm, mystery. Nine. At number nine is the debated disappearance of 24-year-old Rebecca Coriam, who went overboard from the Disney Wonder Cruise ship near Mexico in March 2011. Bahamian investigators concluded nothing suspicious happened, but a team in the UK found evidence of foul play. Isn't that sad? That's very sad. So the cruise company claims that Rebecca was swept overboard, although it's a six-foot-high wall where she supposedly went over. So, like, really, how did that work? I don't think you just get swept over like basketball player sized walls. No, I feel like that's just not. Never happened to me. It never happened to me. I can say that. I'm not buying it. You're not buying it. And neither are her parents, Mike and Anne. They believe that she was thrown over the side of the ship. And when they got her clothes back, Rebecca's shorts, which were apparently her favorite pair, were damaged, including tearing along the front. Ooh. And investigators say it's evidence of a violent struggle. That's kind of terrifying. So it's like two very different stories there. Uh, yeah. Then a pair of flip-flops were found in the spot where she said to have gone overboard, but they weren't taken away by police for a forensic examination. They were a size and a half too small for Rebecca, and her friends on board said that they had never, ever seen her wear those flip-flops. What? So they were like, do they belong to her? 
were they actually in the spot where she like was last seen? Does Should it, we even care about these flip flops right. at all? Is it like a what, is that called a red herring? Uh, sure. I don't know. <laughs> well, wildest part of this entire thing is that Rebecca's credit card was used in May 2011, two months after she went missing. Yeah. Now I'm wondering why this is debated. Yeah. She something clearly happened. Obviously, <laughs> her body has never been found. That's so sad. I know. Another one. I gotta know. I know. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of top ten mysterious water deaths, the former Prime Minister of Australia, Harold Holt. In 1967, Holt went swimming at a beach not far from Melbourne and disappeared. Many say he drowned since the waters were rough and he recently had shoulder surgery. But his body was never recovered, prompting endless theories. So many missing bodies. There's so many missing bodies on this list. Yeah. Holt was actually a progressive Australian politician. He even led the switching of Australia's currency to dollars and cents, which is huge. Yeah, that's a big yeah. deal. Witnesses on the beach told police the tide was crazy high that day Ooh. with a very strong undercurrent. So we're already not off to a good start. This is a recipe for bad things. It's not good. <laughs> for <laughs> bad things. Just, just all the bad this is not going to be good. Not just disaster. Some actually said that not only was it just like really bad, it was the highest they'd ever seen. Ooh. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, let's go wave jumping now. No, thank you. One of the last things that Holt said before he went into the water was, I know this speech like the back of my hand. Oh, that just reminds me of Scream when they're like, never say, I'll be, I'll right, be right back. back. Yeah, no good. No trace of Holt has ever been found. All that was left was a pile of clothes sitting on the sand. Oh. And there's a picture of those clothes and it's like really spooky. That's eerie. Very ominous. Most accept that it was just unfortunately an accidental drowning, but there are conspiracy theories that have emerged and they include suicide or some sort of foreign power involved. Oh? Which you know is going to happen. He's the prime minister. Right. Of course. One theory is that he was taken by a Chinese submarine. I feel like that would have been really difficult. That's very interesting. Yeah. And he was officially declared dead December 19th, 1967. But again, they've never found him. That's sad. Yeah, Harold. I feel like with this one, it was the tide. I do too. Seven. At number seven this week is a name you might recognize if you've seen the Broadway hit Hamilton. Mm. <laughs> Theodosia Burr Alston. How dare the research gods? I'm the Hamilton head. I knew you were going to get on. I'm the Hamilton head. Well, on December 31st, 1812, Theodosia boarded the Patriot in Georgetown, South Carolina. She was headed to New York to be with her father, Aaron Burr. But the ship and all those on board were never seen again. Never, ever? Never. So, there's a few different theories about what could have happened to the ship. First things first is bad weather. Logbooks from the British fleet off the coast of North Carolina noted a severe storm on January 2nd, 1813. The second thing was military action. Mm. The War of 1812 was underway and traveling by ship was pretty risky because British warships were patrolling the Atlantic coast like all over the place. It's pretty risky. I would not have been traveling at that time by boat. Absolutely not. Or at all because like 1812. Because <laughs> you know 1812 and all. Yeah. Dangerous time. But what's worse than British warships, Elena? 
What? Pirates. Oh. Over the years, several pirates actually claim to have had a hand in Theodosia's capture and her death. Oh, that sounds like those serial killers that do that, though. It's like, they just no, want, they want, I like, did clout. it. It's like weird flex. Yeah, it's stupid. Weird flex, not okay. No. A doctor in North Carolina once received a portrait of Theodosia as payment for his service. Which, like, okay, I'd rather money. Uh, The portrait was believed to have been on board of the Patriot. Oh. So that's a little crazy. Creepy. One last unverified story involves a locket engraved with, quote, Theodosia. Found in possession of a Karinkawa chief. And that one might add up because there were rumors that she was rescued by a Karankawa warrior. Ooh. Uh, but the chief claimed that he rescued a young woman from a wrecked ship and she gave him the locket before dying. Ooh, Theodosia, where are you? Theodosia, what is the truth? Where are you? Wherefore art thou? Six. Also on our list at number six is the tragic loss of two young newlyweds, Glenn and Bessie Hyde. In October of 1928, Glenn and Bessie set out to navigate the Grand Canyon Rapids. But that December, their boat was found. The honeymooners were not. Okay, I hate a honeymoon gone wrong. It's a bummer. It's always so sad. It's a bad way to start out your life together, just disappearing. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. Well, Bessie and Glenn Hyde were on an adventurous honeymoon trip, which is exactly the opposite of the honeymoon that I wanted. Also same. (laughs) Glenn was an expert boat builder with rafting experience, and Bessie was more of a novice. The boat Glenn built for this was called a scrow and had a flat bottom so it could go through shallow waters. I know all about scrows. There's also pictures of it. It's a very odd looking boat, but you get why it would be able to go in these like really shallow places. If they had completed this trip, Bessie would have been the first woman to have, quote, run the rapids at the Grand Canyon. Get it, girl. She didn't, I don't think. Well, maybe she did. You don't know. She's not here. I hope so. We don't know. We don't know about Bessie. Their boat was found fully stocked and abandoned, floating upright. So it wasn't wrecked. That's weird. It was just floating around. The couple had stopped and asked well-known photographers, Emery and Ellsworth Kolb, if they could take their photo at the canyon rim. And they were like, sure, sure. And then Glenn laughed when they suggested life jackets for the rapids. That's <laughs> not funny, Glenn. Yeah, they were like, you should put on a life jacket. It's kind of intense out there. And he was like, ha ha. He was like, pish posh. Pish posh. No, thank you. Bessie seemed kind of over the whole thing. She was not having it. Like they said, she seemed like she did not want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And that Glenn must have like kind of pressured her to do it. Okay. I also read that Bessie saw Emery's young daughter all dressed up. And said, as she left, I wonder if I'll ever wear pretty shoes again. Oh, Which that's is very ominous. She's like, he's going to kill me on this <laughs> rapid trip. Might happen. FYI. Now, one theory is that Glenn was an abusive husband. And oh. Bessie went on the trip so she could kill him and start a new life. <laughs> oh, so maybe she did. All right. That version's better than the other one. I like that one. My favorite theory is that she's still alive. So people think a woman named Georgie Clark, who was a river running guide in the Grand Canyon and who died in 1992. Oh, so recently. May have actually been Bessie Hyde. After she died, her friends found out that her real legal name was Bessie. Okay, so there it is. And she had a copy of Glenn and Bessie's marriage certificate in her possession. Right, because she's the OG Bessie. I think she's Bessie.
Wow. I can't believe we're already halfway through this list right now. I know. That went by really fast. It and there's a lot of crazy water deaths. And also, why has nobody ever been found? I don't know. It's really stressing me out that we don't have any bodies here. We should have named this like murder deaths. <laughs> murder. Water, water deaths unfound. Yeah. like Unsolved. The, the, you know, whatever triangle of everywhere. The great disappearing water <laughs> the deaths. The world triangle. Yikes. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of mysterious water deaths. Starting off the second half of our list is one of the greatest American mysteries of all time, Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. Ah, this one. The two were flying around the world when their plane was lost on July 2nd, 1937. The U.S. government's official position is that they ran out of fuel and crashed into the ocean. But we all know there's more to the story. I also love that it's like the two were just flying around the world together. You know, as you you do with your mans. (laughs) Yeah. So Earhart took up aviation at the age of 24, which is how old I am right now. And I haven't done that yet. So you haven't done that? Gotta get on that. (laughs) Uh, She was one of the earliest female aviators. Yeah, Amelia. I just wear aviator sunglasses. Wow. Dad joke alert. (laughs) (laughs) She had big aspirations from the start. She wanted to be the first female to go around the world. She could have done it. Kind of like your girl Bessie with the rapids. I'm saying. Well, Earhart and her navigator Fred Noonan departed from Oakland, California on June 1st to complete that all-around-the-world trip. Not much is really known about Fred Noonan at all, but records of his early life suggest that he was equally as dedicated to navigation, just like Amelia. So it's not like he was just tagging along, being like, let's do this, go left. Along for the ride. No, he knew what he was doing. So on the morning of July 2nd, so that's like basically almost a month after they've been in the air. Yeah. Earhart and Noonan began what was expected to be the hardest leg of their trip to Howland Island, a 2,500 mile trek. Wow. Like, no thank you. 
And you don't like flying. Can you imagine making that? I don't like flying on a commercial plane, even to New York, which is like 45 minutes. Like if that. Like even if that, I won't do <laughs> You're it. You're like, I'm done. So I'm not into this. Well, they made contact with a ship to provide help in guiding them to the island, but the ship's messages weren't being received back on the airplane. That's not good. They were declared lost at sea, but several other far-fetched theories prevail including an interaction with extraterrestrials. Why are we calling that far-fetched? It's not far-fetched. It's my favorite one. <laughs> I don't understand. Other theories suggest that they were captured by the Japanese and that Earhart was a spy. I love that one. Love that one. Love that one. Still love the aliens the most. Or, not my favorite at all, that they crashed on an island and were castaways. Mm, that reminds me of Lord of the Flies, and that book damaged me as a child. <laughs> wow, that reminds me of Castaway with Tom Hanks. That too. Delightful. Well, explorations with cadaver dogs and testing on bones have even taken place on possible islands. I know, I feel like every couple of years we get one of those like, I think we found Amelia Earhart, and then it's like, no. Never mind, we don't no, know who this is <laughs> so i'm waiting four landing at number four this week is dr rudolph diesel inventor of the diesel engine he went missing after boarding a ship from belgium to england for a one-day trip on september 29th 1913 Eleven days later, a body turned up at the mouth of a Dutch river, matching his description, Ooh. but was never officially confirmed to be him, which of course sparks the theory that his body was never found and that it wasn't Diesel. So who was it? I don't know. So that night, he had eaten dinner with his friends and went to his room, and then he was just gone. Poof. Imagine if that was your friend. You were like, great dinner. Oh, where's Diesel? Oh, okay. He's gone forever. Like, see you tomorrow morning for flapjacks. And, and Diesel's like, psych. <laughs> he's like, no, you won't. The initial thought was that Diesel had fallen overboard by accident. He did suffer from insomnia. And so they thought he might have just gone for a late night walk and then, whoops, fell overboard. But I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know about that one. I don't know one. about that one. No official investigation was launched into his death. It was ruled a suicide. He did have ongoing health problems and a lot of money troubles. Okay. He had a lavish lifestyle that was much outpacing his actual finances. And he was like, well, got to do something yeah. about this. So he was heavily in debt. One story says he left a bag of cash and financial documents for his wife, instructing her to open it in a week. But that's like just a story. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Actually. Why would she have to wait a week anyway? Because if it was true, you're like, okay, well, then he planned that. Right. But then another theory says that the oil industry wanted him gone. Diesel was very interested in biofuels. He had demonstrated an engine that could run on peanut oil. Oh, that's cool. So it makes sense that the oil industry would be like, all right, see you later. I feel like the oil industry is not one that you want to get involved with, but the also IRS. like one that you really want to get involved with. <laughs> exactly. To catch 22. Well, another theory is that Diesel had close knowledge of the U-boat's development and was silenced by the German Secret Service. Again, the Secret Service. You want to hang out with them, but do you? I just love how theatric this all is. This one is a tale. This is very theatrical. Diesel had left behind his notebook, and on September 29th, the last day he was seen alive, he had penciled in an X. I feel like he kind I mean, of planned it. Yeah, but it's like, did he commit suicide, or did he just disappear? Like, intentionally. Yeah, I don't know, but I think either way, you he know? planned something. Ash, do you know? Well, yeah, he told me, but I'm promised to secrecy. <laughs> Damn. Well, the body found in the river was in such bad shape from being in the water so long that it was actually left behind. 
You're kidding. Yeah, it was decided no autopsy could be performed. So only his possessions were recovered. And they just left the body because they were like, gross, it's moist. Let's leave it there. Well, like, you should give it a proper burial. Yeah. They just looked at the possessions and were like, I think those are his. They were just like, nah, nah, nah. But let's just leave it there. Wow. Yeah. Three. Number three on our countdown of mysterious water deaths is Christina Kettlewell, also known as the Eight-Day Bride. Christina died on her honeymoon in 1947. Officially, her cause of death was drowning, but she was found in her pajamas lying in just nine inches of water. That's suspect. It's like, what? What happened? So Jack and Christina had a secret wedding on May 12th, 1947, after a suspicious two-week disappearance from Christina's family home. We're already starting off real dark here. Secret secrets are no fun. Unless you tell everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Their best friend, Ronald Barry, came along for the honeymoon, which made the family concerned about a possible thruple situation. Hmm. Possible relation to Derek Barry? Ah. LOL, had to throw that in here. (laughs) The newlyweds spent the first few days of their honeymoon at an apartment in Toronto with Barry before moving to a cottage. Three days later, the cottage mysteriously caught fire and the two men escaped. Huh. And it's like, how'd you guys get out of there? And Christina had somehow drowned in nine inches of water. So there was a fire, but she died by water. And not only just water, nine Nine inches. inches of water. Like, what? And this is crazy. No burn marks or signs of violence were found on her body, but she was in a home that caught fire. Like, what? Ronald was named as the beneficiary for two separate life insurance policies for Christina and Jack. You don't say. It's like, wow, you must be some friend. That's shocking. Coincidence? I think not. Mm -mm. There was a lot of speculation that Jack and Barry were romantically involved and potentially Barry was controlling the situation. So like he was like, yo, we're going to off your wife. We're going to get this money. Let's be in love without her. Hate that. Horrible. But sadly, in the end, no guilty verdicts were reached in the case. Wow. Nine inches of water. That last one is insane. I know. It's really sad. I can't stop thinking nine inches of water in a burning building. So maybe because I said nine inches of water eight times throughout that. That might have been it. But I in a burning know. building, water too. Like, yeah. What? It's a lot. And then Dr. Diesel there. And they just left him. They just left him. They were like, gross. Let's Horrible. not touch that. That's not cool. There's one that I was waiting for the entire list. And then I got to the bottom and I was like, oh, I have it. But no, you don't know oh, who it mine. is. I wonder if it's the one I'm waiting for. I was going to say, are you waiting for anything? I wanted Amelia to be on it, so I'm really glad that she was there. Of course she Yeah, of course. We can't forget Amelia. At Outback Steakhouse, your wish is our command. Back by popular demand, steak and lobster at a special price starting at $19.99. Come enjoy our bold center-cut sirloin seasoned with our signature blend of 17 spices and paired with a buttery, succulent lobster tail. Hurry into Outback Steakhouse where your steak and lobster wishes come true at a price you can't miss. Steak and lobster, starting at $19.99. No rules, just right. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of mysterious water deaths. At number two is the crew of the Mary Celeste. 
On November 7, 1872, the Mary Celeste set out from New York City, headed for Europe, with 10 souls aboard. Ten days later, the ship was found with no sign of a crew or passengers. Full-on ghost ship. I love a ghost ship. I also love when people will say, like, 10 souls aboard. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah. Souls. How beautiful. I love it. Well, the captain of another ship found the Mary Celeste adrift. Realizing that something was wrong, they changed course and went to check on the ship. You know, being a good other captain. That's awesome. That's what captains do. That's what Captain Sandy would do. All you captains out there, you're like, yeah, that's what I do. And Captain Lee. (laughs) There you go. Bravo. (laughs) When they got there, the ship's charts had been tossed everywhere. Oh. And the crewmen's belongings were still in their quarters. Oh. So just weird. Yeah. The only lifeboat was missing. There was only one lifeboat? And it was gone. And someone had disassembled one of the ship's two pumps. So this is seeming to be like a little, I don't know. It's like a crewman just like really wanted to get out of there. Yeah, because like the lifeboat is gone, but no one's on board. So you're like, okay, something happened and they all left. But then all this other weird stuff of like things tossed everywhere and one of the ship's two pumps was all disassembled. I don't know. Maybe they were kidnapped by pirates. I don't know. Well, that's a theory. Oh, love it. Three and a half feet of water was in the ship's bottom, but the cargo of 1,701 barrels of industrial alcohol was largely intact. Never mind about the pirates. Never mind. (laughs) There was a six-month supply of food and water left behind on the boat. So they were planning on a long journey when this happened. Well, and also I feel like if something happened, you would have brought at least some of the food and water on, on if you were boat. trying to leave. Exactly. Which leads me to believe that they were kidnapped somehow. If the captain issued an order to abandon ship, it was under the most dire of circumstances. Right. If that's the case, you're looking at this. It has to be. Like that. Titanic sitch. Exactly. Last entry in the ship's log, facing rough seas and winds of more than 35 knots, not enough to abandon ship. Which I say, says you. (laughs) You'd be like, I'm out. Says you, sir. As soon as a cool tropical breeze comes about, I'm like, all right, (laughs) abandon ship. Wow. Theories have ranged from mutiny to pirates Mm -hmm, to sea monsters. Like Loch Ness. Which I personally vote for sea monsters always in every situation. So here I am casting my vote for sea monsters. Fun fact about Elena. Yeah. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 mysterious water deaths, the accidental drowning of actress Natalie Wood. In 1981, her body was found in the waters off Catalina Island. She had been on board her yacht with her husband, actor Robert Wagner, and actor Christopher Walken. Suspicious clues have led some to believe there may be more to the story. Initially, Natalie's death was ruled to be an accident, but in 2011, the case was reopened and the cause of death was changed to drowning and other undetermined factors. That's an awesome way to describe things. Drowning and some other stuff. Drowning and we're not sure. Some other stuff that we don't know about. (laughs) Like what? Wood's body was found floating in a Catalina Island cove off the coast of California. She was found by authorities a mile away from the couple's yacht, wearing a long nightgown, socks, and a jacket. That's interesting. Super creepy. The long nightgown? Yeah, nightgowns Hmm. make everything creepy. They do. The postmortem report said Wood had bruises on her body and arms, as well as a facial abrasion on her left cheek. The only thing I can say about that is if she's floating in the water and she, like, hits the cove a couple times, you know. Water can can really mess up, like, when you're trying to find out, um, like, things in an autopsy. Oh, yeah. Water is a wily mistress. Water is a doozy. (laughs) 
Well, she did have alcohol in her system, and it's been reported that she may have been fairly drunk earlier in the night. I mean, get it. I literally wrote, like, girl, you're on a yacht. Get it. That's okay. I understand. (laughs) If I was on a yacht, I also would have alcohol in my system. (laughs) There you go. She had a fight with her husband, Robert Wagner, just before she disappeared. But of course, Wagner didn't report his wife missing right away to the Coast Guard, which has obviously been considered suspicious. Little sus. It's like, oh yes, my actress wife, Natalie Wood. No. What, she's not here? Oh, oh she's, she is missing. Oh, there's three people on, the, oh, there's only two people on this boat? No, oh, no, oh. we didn't even notice. Christopher. <laughs> well, Christ- back to Christopher. <laughs> Christopher Walken said in Playboy magazine, of all magazines, uh, <laughs> that people want an interesting answer, but it's likely as simple as her just slipping and falling while she was drunk. I don't think people want an interesting answer. I think we just want an honest one, sir. We just want the answer. (laughs) That's all. Yeah, I don't get it. What happened? These were good. These were really good. Yeah. And Natalie Wood had to be number one. I was waiting the whole time and I was like, she must be number one. And then I went scroll, scroll, scroll. And she was. And there she was, Natalie Wood. I've been wanting to do that on Morbid for a little while, but it's like, there's a lot to unpack there. There is. That's one of those crazy conspiracy ones. You yeah. just don't know. You can get into it. Yeah. And obviously, again, Amelia had to be on it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the other ones I didn't know about. I know. I liked the Bessie one. Yeah. Because I think she was that lady that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Bessie and Glenn Hyde is one that I've wanted to do for Morbid. It, actually. I can't think of anything that they missed. No, I really can't besides like the entire Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's a big one to unpack in one top 10 list. So we could probably just do like a top I'll 10 list it. of the Titanic. I'll forgive it. Podcast research gods. Wow. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get brand new episodes delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at ParCast on Facebook and Instagram and at ParCast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I hope you do, you made it all the way to the end, congrats, you can follow us on Morbid. You can listen to us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, or you can follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we hope you keep it weird till next Monday. Please do. And stay away from Nine Inches of Water. Crime Countdown was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kevin McAlpine. Produced by John Cohen, Jonathan Ratliff, Maggie Admire, and Kristen Acevedo. Crime Countdown stars Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from ParCast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.